So as I was studying on my own this week, I came across the following Hasidic teaching recorded by Martin Buber, and I didn't know what to make of it. I'm still struggling with it. If a person does not judge themselves, all things will judge them, and all things will become messengers of God. I repeat that, and then I'll read the next teaching. If a person does not judge themselves, all things will judge them. And all things, not people, although I guess the people, they're things too. All things will become messengers of God. And the next teaching. One who desires to become aware of the hidden holy light that animates all of creation but is hidden from view. One who desires to become aware of the hidden light must lift the feeling of fear up to its source. And one can accomplish this if they judge themselves and all that they do. For they then shed all fears and lift fear that has fallen down. But if they do not judge themselves, they will be judged from on high. And this judgment will come upon upon them in the guise of countless things. And all the things in the world will become messengers of God who carry out the judgment of this person. So I don't like that teaching because I'm a highly self-critical person. And the last thing I really want to hear is that I should be judging myself more. And if not, everything in the world is going to start judging me. Because I really am one of those people that if you walk into my office, you're walking to my living room and you see me sitting, staring at the wall, it's very likely that I am going through something I did and criticizing them, right? Sometimes people will send me an email saying, you know, you went on a tangent in that Yom Kippur sermon, we could have done without it. Like, trust me, I know I've watched it eight times, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I already noted it myself. Like, I don't need the world to be judging me, right? It's like going through my head all the time. <clears throat> and interestingly, in, in Martin Buber's 10 Runs, which is one of my, a book I really love, and that was the book I was just doing self-learning in, there are many sections that say you should be very careful not to judge yourself too harshly. So the book is often concerned with the teaching, don't judge yourself too harshly. So then you get, well, if you don't judge yourself, all things will judge you and all things will become messengers of God. And if you want to see that hidden light of God, that's really the source of creation that's holding it all up, then you have to judge yourself and all you do. And you got to hold up the fear and then it'll dissipate because if you don't, you'll be judged on high and the judgment will come upon you in the guise of countless things and all the things in the world become messengers of God. So what does it mean that when one doesn't judge oneself, then all things become messengers of God? So the golden calf story becomes a center for the rabbis and Hasidic thinkers to to dwell on it. Because in many ways, what defines the golden calf is not so much, let's say, bad intentions. The intentions seem to be relatively good, right? We're we're supposed to be, you know, celebrating and festivaling and, and donating materials for the larger purpose. What seems to be the main sign of the golden calf is we have no indication anywhere in the story that there was ever a sign of self-criticism. We never seem to get, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Maybe this isn't what God wanted. It's almost like it's the lack of self-criticism or self-judgment that defines the story and the celebration. In many ways, what the golden calf is, is going back to the past, what you were comfortable in in the past and not being willing to 
face the present and the future. The rabbis point out that, think about it, the Israelites had gotten the Ten Commandments, we've gotten Mishpatim, and it all seemed like a lot of new stuff that was really uncomfortable to do. And there would be a lot of self-judgment involved in saying, I'm not living up to this entire new way of living, entire new expectations on me to be a holy person and on us. So let's go back to something we know. Let's go back to the past. We know about golden calves, and we say, that's the thing that brought us out of Egypt, rather than the idea that, you know what? You know what's really scary? It's not just that now we have these Ten Commandments and Mishpatim. There's going to be a whole lot of other new stuff coming down the pike. When one is concerned about self-judgment and, and How stressful is that to know you think you have it bad now, figuring out how to be perfect and how to please God and see the light. There's new stuff coming up. There's going to be new revelations, new things to do. And so this golden calf, no self-criticism, retreating into the past. So what's the business at the end about seeing God, Moshe demanding to see God, God's face, and God shows Moshe God's back? Shared teaching from the Ishbitzer Rebbe, Rabbi Mordechai Yosef Lehner from the between 1800 and 1850, in the area now known as Poland, known by his name, uh, usually of his commentary, the Me'ah Shiloach. This is how he comments on it. And I shall remove my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. He quotes the Masachet Brachot's famous Agadah, that Moshe gets to see the knot on the back of the headpiece of God's tefillin. But this is the way he quotes that famous teaching, that famous story. The nodding denotes complete closeness. The nodding together of the Jewish people and of God. The nodding together of you and of God. They are inseparable and they always will be. And the line, who is a nation so great as to have God so close to it? This means that God is so connected to them that even when they sin, God will not disengage God's love for them. But my face shall not be seen means that the blessed Holy One showed Moshe all the events that happened in the past and saw clearly what the Holy One built out of each action. You shall see my back. This is what that means. But my face shall not be seen means the Holy One did not show Moshe what was happening in the present because all the acceptances of punishment were transmitted through him. Therefore, God could not, as it were, this is the Meshiloach, show him the present meaning how God was completely reconciled with Israel is in the present. Let me do my best to explain that. Think of God for a moment as time itself. So seeing God's back is seeing the entire trail of the past leading up to the present. That's what the Meshulah is saying. God's back is seeing the trail of God leading up to the present. And what is in the present moment? The not. You are so close to Hashem. We're so close to God. The Jewish people are the... In the present moment, you are already forgiven. You are already forgiven for every imperfection you've had, every sin you've done. Because God sees how it's part of the larger picture. How all of it is connected with the, the chain of time, the path of history, the path of your story, contributing to things that are better. And so if we were seeing God, We would never criticize ourselves. We would never practice self-judgment because we would feel the closeness of already being forgiven completely for just being who we are and that our story is part of a larger story and this moment in our lives is part of a larger moment. So we would be deprived of 
the ability to do tshuva, the ability to, to judge ourselves. In the golden calf, all of the slaughter and the Levites and the massacres is the rabbis sort of see it, Meshaloach sees it, as no one ever criticized themselves. And so judgment came from the outside. But when we practice the judgment ourselves, and we perfect, we improve, we practice tshuva, then we're walking with God and we feel that closeness. We're, we're, we see the back. In Aviva Richmond, Rabbi Riva Richmond's Devar Torah this week, she pointed out how biblical scholars show the chiastic structure to this section of Exodus itself. You know, chiastic structure, A, B, C, B, A. And in this section of Torah, we have the A, which is six statements about building the temple, the Mishkan. Then B, the seventh statement is Vishamru. So it goes building the Mishkan, Shabbat. Golden calf is the C. Then we go back in chapter 35 to Shabbat. And then we go back to the building of the Mishkan all the way to the end of Sefer Shemot. Why the rabbis notice this as well as biblical critics, the structure, why Shabbat bracketing the, um, the building in the Mishkan, the golden calf in the middle, because Shabbat is the day of, in a sense, no judgment. Shabbat is the day that you really do feel like the world, like you deserve it all. The world's made for you. Like you don't have to sit there and beat yourself up. You don't have to sit there staring at the wall and think of how I made a tangent in a sermon or far worse. Right? It's like I'm I'm commanded to live in the present moment with God. As like I'm beautiful the way I am, and I'm beautiful for the work I've done is um, you know, like I mean, it's hard to believe that we actually deserve the lives we have, even when they're hard. It's, it's amazing. So that's why Shabbat is there. We have the back, the past. We have, they should have been self-judging. We have the gift of Shabbat. That's when we're super close to God, that we don't have to self-judge. And we have the lesson that when we do our own shufa, then we don't have this kind of perps that the whole world is working against us. When I'm insisting on staying in the past, like the golden calf, I want to stay with the old way America ran. I want to stay with the traditions I grew up with that maybe damage the environment. I want to stay with things that uh, the way I grew up 20 years ago that already I'm realizing is hurting people. I want to go back to that. I want to just be like, I had a great calf and it's the one that got me this far. And I don't want to do the internal dialogue of trying to say, no, there's chuva always to be done. When we do that tshuva, then we have our moments of, we feel actually a closeness to God. But if we already knew that God forgave us, then we would live in a place where the world begins to work against us and everything becomes a message to us. So none of this is to say that we should judge ourselves too harshly. When we judge ourselves, we invite God's love and forgiveness because we are doing the work. When we avoid that, like with the golden calf, where there is no self-judgment, no second-guessing, no questioning how we can become better holy vessels, then all the world becomes messengers of judgment. We are, in a sense, avoiding the present moment of God, where we do the work of conscience and of self and of society and perfecting, and we feel intimacy with God. But the golden calf is a life in which we are resisting change. Shabbat shalom.